Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. We started a couple weeks ago a series called Mountains. Actually, we've been going through our summer series called Nature, and we've been talking uh, through different um, elements of of the earth and how God used them as spiritual truths in the Bible and how we can use them for our lives as well. The first month in in, um, June, we talked about um, deserts and we talked about deserts and we went through the whole um, journey with the people of Israel as they entered into the desert seasons and how we can use that in our lives as well. Last month, we talked about water and how God used the water uh, elements of water to give us these stories that we can learn from in our life. And a couple of weeks ago, like we said, we talked about we started to talk about mountains. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, my my sermon for the next two weeks kind of took another like a left turn. <laughs> you know, I was all set. I was ready. I had my outlines ready. And then God spoke to me. And guess what? He said, erase it and start again. You know, because uh, we last week we talked about Elijah and we talked about how he went to um, to the Mount Carmel and how he went through a, a battle with the prophets of Baal and how God triumphed. He, he, he showed his power by sending the fire and how we need to let go of these false idols in our life and how God can can really transform our life as we stand up and be who he got, called us to be. Week one, we talked about Mount Moriah and we talked about how. Uh, um, Abraham almost sacrificed his son and how we can be, um, we, we have to be 100% in God. We need to be tuned into him when he tells us to do things in our lives. And are we willing to sacrifice some things in our life to, to go after what God has called us to be? And like I said, as I was studying in the book of First Kings and the story of Elijah, this, this sermon series kind of took a left turn or a right turn. And, and uh, we were, we've been talking about different mountain structures in the Middle East, in, Jer- in Jerusalem, and in Israel, but I'm stuck. I'm stuck here in Mount Carmel, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I think we're just going to end the series next week just talking about two things, because I truly believe God spoke to me through this, um, and, and it, it's, it's one of the things that we're looking at Elijah's life, and we see him come out of this massive, this huge victory in his life. But if you continue to read, we see that he went through a series of emotions, a series of 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 these emotional moments that that actually directed the next couple chapters in his life, the next couple, the the the, the continuation of this story. So I'm going to we're going to kind of shift. We're not going to be talking about a different kind of mountain. We're going to stay here in Mount Carmel because I truly believe God has something for us. And the next couple of weeks, as we end this series, I'm going to be talking about the emotions of the mountain, the emotions of the mountains, because this story doesn't end at the battle of Mount Carmel with Elijah, but he went through a series of emotions. He went through a series of stress, triumph, despair, and victory on this mountain. And in our life, emotions have a role in the victories and the defeats in our life. Emotions have this role. And if we don't, if we don't know how to navigate our emotions in a healthy and spiritual way, our emotions are going to direct us to destructive living or productive living. 
Our emotions is a tie to everything, every, everything we do, everything we say, everything we're living for, everything we're striving to do. Our emotions are attached to that. So if we don't know how to navigate our emotions, our emotions are going to navigate us. And it's going to leave us, leave us to destructive living or productive living. There are two types of people that we all know. There are people that suppress their emotions and there are people that, um, that they show their emotions on their sleeves. Which one are you? <laughs> Second one, me too, all right? <laughs> me too. You, you know when I'm upset. You know when I'm down. I cannot suppress emotion. Um, some people that suppress their emotions, eventually, hey, th- those, are, those are the ones that are the scariest, you know? Because they, they just hold it in. Hold it in. Hold it in until you, you come crazy on them one day, and they let it go. And they let it go real quick on you. You know, hey, man, you know what I'm talking about? Don't look at your wives. Don't look at your wives, okay? There's two types of people. Which one are you? Let's talk about motions a little bit. Motions are electrochemical signals that flow through our bodies on an endless cycle. Emotions are released to our brains and flow through our bodies all the time. There are eight types of emotion, basic emotions, and countless variations of them as well. But the eight, um, the eight emotions that are the typical ones are joy, sadness, fear, disgust, surprise, um, anticipation, anger, and trust. Those are the eight, you know, basic emotions. And there's a lot of variations around this as well. We also have to know emotions are natural. We, we are made to be emotional beings. We are emotional beings, so it is natural. Just because you have an emotion doesn't mean that you're crazy. It just means that you're dealing with something in the natural. Number four, emotions are contagious. Feelings, uh, feelings spread through people like viruses. <laughs> if you, have you been in that in, in, in a room before where it's very tense, but then you, you, you're very happy, and then you walk into that room, and then right away you're like, oh, this is awkward, <laughs> you know, because emotions are contagious. So if we do not navigate and try to figure out these, these emotions, we're not only going to hurt us, but we're going to change the atmospheres around us. And if we're trying to be a voice piece, a, a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and we can't handle our emotions, nobody's going to go to you to see the truth. They're going to try to get away from you because you're an emotional wreck. We have to navigate these emotions. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4 says, there's a time for, to weep, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn, there's a time to dance. There's time and places for a lot of things. Emotions are natural, and we all have them. But in a moment of success and in a moment of failure, if we do not know how to handle emotions, that success and failure is either going to set us back in life or set us forward in life. I can really say that emotions really shows your growth in God. The way you operate in your emotions, I can tell you right quick if you're really seeking God. Because there's, there's some things that we shouldn't be jumping towards through with our emotions. We just need to take it to God. See, see, we, I can really tell where people stand in God. And here as we continue in the book of 1 Kings, we see Elijah coming off this huge win on Mount Carmel. So he's probably excited 
There's an emotional excitement. There's, there's hype. He's full of faith. He's ready to conquer the world. But we see Elijah knew that the victory was not just something to be won, but he knew that God was going to do something different in him because he knew that the, his story didn't end in the win that he had. His story didn't end. That wasn't his purpose. His purpose was for God to send the rain. Because we know that in the beginning, um, Elijah went to King Ahab and said, hey, there's going to be a drought. There's not going to be no rain in this land for, for a couple years. And then we go in a couple chapters later, we see Elijah. God said, present yourself to Ahab and tell him, that, hey, guess what? The rain is coming. So in one season, he had to say, hey, the drought's coming. And then another season, he had to say, the rain's coming. And then this huge battle on Mount Carmel is, is here. And he won the battle. But Elijah knew that his victory was wasn't his purpose that he had to keep going to not only win but be fulfilled the purpose that God has for his life sometimes in the pursuit of purpose we tend to have these small victories that need to be celebrated for sure but your victories are not your purpose and just they're just a part of the process to your purpose but we tend to have this emotional high and just celebrate the victories, all the things that we won. But God says, I have more for you, but we can't activate more because we're still stuck in what we did before. You know, those people that are like 30 years old and they're still living in high school, you know, especially like they were like the star quarterback. And now you're like 46. I could throw this pigskin over this mountain. Like a boy, you, you, you have arthritis, you know. <laughs> But they can't get out of the victory, which the victory was good for a season. But if we continue to live these victories, we're never going to move forward into the purpose God has for us because we're just stuck in a season. See, Elijah could have been quickly been like, hey, I'm the man. I'm just going to stay. I was the only one that stood up when others were bowing down. There was all, like all these prophets of Baal. I'm the one that stood up. We killed them. And I, you, have to, you have to give me some respect. But Elijah knew real quick that the victory wasn't won by him. It was won by God. And he had to change his mindset and say, hey, this might be a huge win, but I'm not going to let my emotions um, keep me stuck in this season. I need to move forward for what more God has for me. Have you had a mindset of, hey, God, I want more? Or are you just stuck into what you, God has given you now? Because I know that God has, is, a, is a God of progression. He says from glory to glory to glory. So there's a progression to our life. But if you're just stuck in the first season of glory, you're never going to get the third season of glory because you're only focused on what God has done in one season. But he wants to do so much more. When we give him our heart our, and, our, and our emotions and our attitudes and our life, God wants to do more. And Elijah knew this. So we can stay in the victories, but never it's achieve the purpose that God has for us. Elijah knew that the victory on Mount Carmel was just the beginning of the great things God wanted to do through him. See, let's see here in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 and 46. I want to set some context we're going to be talking about today as we see what the next section of this as what Elijah did. And it says here, and Elijah said to Ahab, go eat, drink. For there is a sound of a heavy rain. Stop right there. There was no sound at all. <laughs> uh, Elijah was prophesying that the sound was coming. 
So he knew, he had enough intuition about himself that he knew that God won this battle. So let me have faith enough to know, to tell somebody that was against him, hey, what you don't hear yet, I hear because God is going to do it. It's having a different kind of faith. See, and then in verse 40, 42 says, so Ahab went, he, eat, he, he, he went to eat and drink. Then Elijah climbed up Mount Carmel, bent to the ground, and put his face in between his knees. Elijah did a lot of yoga because I can't do that at all, okay? Um, 43, go and look up towards the sea. To, uh, he said that to his servant. And so his servant went up and looked, and there was nothing there. He said seven times, Elijah said this, to go back. And on the seventh time, the servant reported, there is a small cloud uh, as the man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch his um, chariots and go down the rain uh, before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black and the clouds and the wind rose and the heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode to Jezreel. Here's what you have to understand right now in this section of this, of this passage. You see that Elijah had to climb up the mountain to see the next portion of his purpose. So that tells me that the victory of Mount Carmel was on the valley of the mountain. So what I'm telling you today, I'm here to tell you today that even in the valley seasons of your life, you can still see victory. Even in the valley seasons, you can see, still see victory. The mountaintop is great. The mountaintop is where we all want to be. But you truly grow in the valley. We all want to be in the mountain. Here, we can see that Elijah was not on the mountaintop at the, at the battle of Mount Carmel. He was in the valley because it said that he had to climb up the mountain. So this, 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 we, sometimes we look at our difficult seasons as a downgrade. But what if I'm here to tell you that God wants you to win in the valley? God wants you to still fight in the valley. But when we are having difficult seasons in our life, when we don't know what it is, we just complain and we blame God. But God says, stand firm and fight. Because the battle that you so want, that you think needs to take place on the mountaintop, is really going to grow you in the valley. you got to be faithful, not only on the mountain, but on the valley season of your life, because God wants to do a new thing in you. It was the trust and boldness and the courage that he got in the valley that Elijah stood forth and stood up against the prophets of Baal and said, God will win. And sometimes instead of praying for it to leave our life, we need to stand firm in it and fight. Sometimes we pray something out that needs to stay in and for us to stand up too. We, we, we so we do this all the time. God, there's this, this boss is just messing with me. So what we do, either get him out or get me out. We got too many holy people in this place today. How about in your marriage? God, this woman is driving me insane. This man, he ain't doing the dishes. <laughs> so what we do is we have a mindset of quitting real quick when God says stand firm and learn what I want to do in you. God can do so much more in the valley season in your life than sometimes in the mountaintop. 
But most of the time what we do is, God, take me out of the valley. But guess what? You need to be in the valley enough to grow that you need to, you need to grow in the valley so you know what God is going to expect on the mountaintop. Aren't you glad that God is not only the God of the mountaintop, but he's also the God of the valley? And you can go through this season and stand firm in it. And it does, And your family, your coworkers, your friends, your, your peers, they're not going to understand why you're still praising God when it seems like your life is going crazy. But you can stand firm and say, hey, I know I'm going through it, but on this mountain, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I might not understand, but I hear the rain coming and I'm going towards my purpose. I'm not going to let this victory dictate my purpose. My, my purpose in my life so now we move up this mountain to God to bring the rain and fulfill the purpose that God had on the land there's some things that we need to learn as as Elijah did in this section that we need to learn for our life as we jump up as we move up the mountaintop in our life as well in dealing with these emotions number one we have to have a posture of prayer and surrender a posture of prayer and Verse 42, it says, And Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed up the mountain, uh, Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Even though Elijah knew that God was going to provide the rain, he had a posture of humility and prayer before anything else happened. What we tend to do is out of our emotional state and where Elijah was right now, our culture tells us to go, go, do, succeed when we're not even ready to. See, Elijah had every emotion to be like, God, you've done it now. I'm going to go and I'm going to try to do whatever I can for this rain to happen. I'm going to go, I'm going to pray, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to talk to this person. We try to manufacture our blessing, but the reality is you're not God. We tend to take the position of God when we, all we got to do is have a posture of surrender. We need to be slow to act because anything pursued out of the will of God is your will, and it won't work. If Elijah was so high, people do anything to see the rain come. Yeah, God, you fulfilled the wind, but bring the rain. But what did Elijah do? It said he went away. See, here's what we did sometimes. We believe at times that we need to put a show on for God. Ever seen The Greatest Showman? Great movie. This is the greatest show. Sometimes we feel like, hey, we need to perform for others to see what God can do. But we understand sometimes in the Bible, God tells us to be still and know. See, Elijah could have went to Ahab and said, hey, I told you. I, if I was Elijah, I'll walk right into Ahab's um, uh, like little temple and I'll be like, hey, where's your prophets, boy? Wait, 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 wait. They're dead. <laughs> I will take all the credit. I will, be, I will be boasting. But Elijah, what he did the next moment, he climbed up a mountain by himself and, hum, and, and, and humbled himself before the Lord. Promise, the promise is fulfilled through surrender 
and prayer, not by you being a show for God. Because God takes a humble heart and turns into something great. Elijah went into a posture to hide his face. Why? Why did Elijah hide his face? Because he didn't want to take he didn't want to take credit for the win or it becomes his identity. He wanted God to take the credit. That mindset is the thing that activated intimacy with him and God. When God, when we are intimate with God, when we get into prayer, when we get into surrender, God humbles us and he empowers us. He humbles us real quick. Because have you been in a, a time of prayer where God just like just wrecks you? And you're like, <laughs> I, have a, I have a worship um, playlist. It's called Crying Worship, okay? And you know when I put that pray, playlist on, it's done. I'll see you in about two hours. I'll be crying all over the place, you know? It's the, it, it, I, because it gets, I'm intimate with God. And when I'm intimate with God, sometimes he humbles me. Sometimes he takes me off my high horse and says, hey, hey, you didn't do this. It, it, it's not by your power. It's not by your might. And sometimes I need to be humble, but while he humbles me, he also empowers me and says, but you are great. I've created you for such a time as this. See, sometimes we need to be humbled and empowered, but it only comes with the heart and posture of surrender in him. When was the last time you surrendered and had a posture of prayer in your life? James chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In Je- Jeremiah 33, verse 3, it says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will, give you and, I will, and I will tell you the great and hidden things that you have not known. The great and hidden things that you've not known only comes in a, in a posture of surrender and prayer. Church, we need to make prayer relevant again. We, we need to make prayer relevant again. I remember growing up, and it's, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a new pastor, you know, and it's awkward. You know, when, when I was like a youth pastor, I used to talk about my family, you know, and they weren't in the room. But now my mom's here, so it's an awkward conversations all the time, okay? But I remember growing up, you know those parents, you know, uh, I'm going to tell on myself. You parents where you always tell your kids um, growing up, hey, they come to your room all the time in the middle of the night. And they come in the most awkward ways, okay? Like you're trying to sleep and they're just like over you, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Or they just, you know, in a normal day, they just open the door. But then at night, they're like, do that. And you're, you're just like, you're praying it all, you know? I was the kid and I didn't, I didn't start sleeping by myself for a long time, okay? I was scared, all right? <laughs> So I slept in my parents' room, okay? I know it was a little awkward, but get over it, all right? Um, but I remember the times where I would hear my dad, you know, at night praying and just pleading to God, you know, speaking in tongues and, and just going after God. And even to this day, my mom does not go to sleep without praying and praying and praying and praying. But, but it showed me an attitude of prayer. I remember times when we used to wake up in the Spanish church we ain't gonna do that here, right? Um, like it's four o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, I'm all sleepy and everything to go to church and pray for hours. You hush over there. But it showed me an attitude of prayer and surrender. 
but things changed in people's lives. And church, if we don't bring prayer relevant in our life, we have the tendency to go through stats and resources and systems and operations, but we do not tap into the true power of the Holy Spirit because we're not going after God in prayer and surrender. It's the gold gym that we don't really seek after. We can throw the lights up. We can do whatever. But if we're not really getting into God's presence, if we're not going into as a church seeking God for the loss, we're only just a country club. We're only just a gathering. And this world doesn't need a gathering anymore. They need a church that is on fire, that is on their knees, that is seeking God, that is an apostle of heart and surrender that says, God, it's not about what we can do. It's not about the money we can have. It's about what we can get on our knees and plead for the lost and dying people that are out there. We need to make prayer relevant again. Our hearts of surrender and prayer matters in our life. That's why one of our core values here at Axios is prayer is our foundation. It's the foundation of everything we do. Let's make moments to speak to God is the lifeline we need when life hits in our life. We fight in total surrender in God. We don't let our emotions of the wind lose our intimacy with God. See, this is what happens sometimes. We're on fire for God. And then God answers a prayer, and then we lose our relationship with God. You might want that honey, that man, that woman, and you're on fire for one time. But then when you got in that relationship, you don't see God anymore because you put your identity in other things. You wanted that job, God gave it to you, but you don't come to church anymore. You don't seek after God anymore. It's, we have to don't let our emotions and the things of this world dictate our intimacy with God. Number two, what Elijah do? He had the emotions in the weight. The emotions in the weight. Verse 43 says, go and look towards the sea. He said to his servant, and he went to look, and there was nothing. And he said seven times, Elijah said to go back. On the seventh time, he reported there's a, there's a cloud small as a man's hand rising from the sea. See, God has a tendency to use the waiting seasons of our life, not as a punishment, but as a reward. <laughs> you heard that right, right? The waiting seasons, when it comes to God, is not a punishment for you. It's actually a reward for your life. Because in the waiting season, it makes us trust God fully. But we hate the waiting seasons. Seven times. Seven times Elijah told his servant, go up the mountain and look out to the sea. Go up to the mountain and look out to the sea. And the servant went, All right, Elijah's a little crazy, but I guess I'll go back. <laughs> On the fifth time, I don't want to go back. I might make it mad. It ain't there. It ain't happening. Seven times God made Elijah wait before the rain to come. Seven times the servant went, and every time, there was a no. What happens in your life when God says no? What, what, happens to Eli when, when, what happened when Elijah heard no? When Elijah heard no from God, you know what Elijah did? He never changed his posture. Jesus, hallelujah. Because if I was Elijah, on the third time, I got up. 
from the prayer session I had, and I'll be going looking for myself. I'll be going talking to somebody. Hey, have you seen the little cloud? Have you, have you, have you seen it? But what did Elijah do? In the waiting season, he never left the posture of surrender. He never left the posture of prayer. Church, in surrender and prayer is where things are activated in our life. God wasn't telling him a definite no. He was just saying not yet. He was just saying not yet. But what do we do when God says no? We have a tendency to attach our two things that say yes. Let me tell you this. When, when we're not, when no, the word no doesn't satisfy us, so we make our own yes. It's too much. I, I should not be preaching this. It's too quiet in here. When we hear no from God, we try to attach ourselves to somebody that says yes. And we take opinions as our calling and not what God has. And guess what? That's dangerous. That's dangerous. I hate hearing no. I, I hate hearing no. But when God says no, it's no, not to punish you, but is you're not ready for that season. You're not ready for that blessing yet. You might think you're ready, but God knows something on the inside that he needs to grow in you. So his no is not always a no. It's probably just not yet. But do not attach yourself to a false yes, because it's going to be dangerous for your life. Elijah could have went to people's opinions and said, and, or, or talk him way out of it. But guess what? He stood in a posture of surrender because he knew God is not my will, is yours. I'm going to do what you call me to do. And if I have to stay here in this posture of surrender and prayer, I'm going to do it because I'm not sending the rain. You are. You are. But what do we do in waiting seasons in our life? We start questioning the weight in our life. But I'm here to tell you today, think of it in a different way. Think of it in a different way. What if God, while God is telling you to wait, he's not punishing you, but what if God is swelling something on the backside of your victory? Because here's the thing. Let me tell you a process of a cloud. Within a cloud, water droplets are condensed into one another, causing the droplets to what? Grow. When these water droplets get too heavy to stay suspended in the clouds, they hit the earth with what? Rain. And then there's vapor, and this whole process starts again. What is the definition of swell? What is the definition of swelling? To expand beyond normal and original limits. Swelling. To become, to, to become puffed up. To, to, to have an, a, 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 an original, past the normal, past the original limits, to grow. What if this, what if your waiting season is not a waiting season, but it's a swelling season and you don't even see it? What if God is swelling something on the back end of your victory, of your life, and we're cursing what is a weight, but it's really a swelling season? God is, he is swelling that promise. He is swelling that victory. He is swelling that healing. But we don't see it now, and we curse God. But what if God is really working, and you don't even see it? 
Because this is what Elijah was doing. While Elijah was waiting for to see a glimpse of rain and nothing was happening, Elijah didn't realize that on the other side, there was a little cloud being swelled up for the promise to come at the right time. I'm preaching too good today. Maybe you're in a waiting season not to punish, but God is setting the victory for you to walk into. He, he, he was setting the cloud for, for Elijah to call the promise forth. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13, he For I, the Lord your God, hold by the right hand. The right hand meant the hand of authority, meaning I have this. I'm in control. The right hand, it is, it is he who says, fear not. I am, I am the one who helps you. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19 says, Behold, that I am doing a new thing. Now spring forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. He says, do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? Sometimes perceiving it, seeing it, doesn't mean that you see it with the physical, but you have to trust the spiritual that God is going to make a way. Sometimes we just want to just see it so bad that we don't trust it enough to see it through. Because God is, God is not going to show in the physical form all the time, but you got to trust something on the inside and the spiritual that he, you know that he's going to make a way in the wilderness. He's going to make a way that, that whatever you're praying for or whatever you're praying towards, there has been people that have been praying for years for somebody to follow Christ, their, their husband, their wife. They've been praying for years, but they still pray. Why? Because God is swelling something at the right time. God is going to bring something at the right time. I might not be, I not, might, might not be what I want, but God didn't promise you your way. He promised you his way. Do you trust his way? We hate to wait, but while you wait, we have to have an attitude to surrender because God is swelling something on the outside, on the inside. You might not see it, but God is doing something. Do not be discouraged in the wait. Be encouraged and know that the rain is coming. Elijah never doubted that the rain was coming. You know why? Because God said it was. It might not have been at his timing. It might not have been right away, but if God said it, Elijah knew I can stand firm in it because he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna make a way for it. I might not know. I might not see the cloud. It might be a sunny day, and there might not be one cloud in the sky. But guess what? If God said it, I know he's going to do it. I don't know how, but I trust that he is. It's having the attitude of surrender in the midst of the weight. The weight is a gift. It gives us the boldness to do what Elijah did next. And as I close, number three. It said he act with faith without certainty. He acted with faith without certainty. Verse 44 says, the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as size of a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go to Ahab, hitch up your chariots and go before the rain to stop. Because Elijah got in a posture of surrender, because he didn't get crushed in the waiting season, it gave him faith to take what God given him in the season. Sometimes we wait for this huge cloud when God wants to use small clouds to bless us even more. 
let me, let me say that again because sometimes we're, we want this extravagant blessing, but what if God wants you to bless small, but it really blesses you more? Sometimes less is more in God. How about the woman with the jar of oil? As you see uh, in, the, in, in, in 2 Kings, it says the story took place during the life of the prophet Elijah. It's about a widow who said she was afraid that her two sons were going to go into slavery because she, owned, she owed money to a creditor. She cried out to the prophet Elisha for help. He asked her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. The lady came to Elijah and gave him a small joy, a jar of olive oil. Something common Something not super valuable, Elijah told her to go and borrow as many jars as she could from her neighbors. And he instructed her to pour the oil into all of them. The widow trusted, obeyed, and witnessed a miracle of multiplication. See, her bit of oil turned into filling every vessel they had. Her tiny bit of oil multiplied to pay her debts off and to provide for her future. Why? Because the small amount, God can turn it into more. The small things, God can turn it The culture, our world tells us that we have to live this extravagant life. But I'm here to tell you, when you live a life in humility and you live a life in surrender, what seems that the culture thinks as less, God looks at is more. God can take what you have and multiply it to many. It doesn't matter if you don't have the resources. God has the resources. It doesn't matter if you don't have the healing. God has the healing. But when you trust God with what you had, he's going to multiply it to what he wants to give it to you. Elijah saw a little cloud. But what did God say? that there was going to be rain coming. We live in Florida. And we see a cloud. Eventually it's going to rain. But if I see like a little bitty cloud in the sky, I'll still go into Disney World. Because <laughs> we know. 3 o'clock, hurricane. 310, vacation. Elijah had the faith enough to look at what, saw, what he saw in his physical as small and said, God, I'm going to be faithful to walk forward to what you have for me. Even though I don't see it as huge, you see it as multiplication. Even though I know in my physical that that little cloud can't even take this drought away. But I also know that you told me that the rain was coming. So this is what Elijah did. I love this guy. You better play a little bit louder because it's about to get crazy in a minute, all right? Elijah looks out. All right. That little tiny cloud out there. I just told Ahab 
that the rain was coming. If God helped me on the valley and now I'm on the mountaintop, why can't I trust God even more when I'm up here? So he looked at that cloud and said, hey, God, if you're going to give me that, I'm going I'm to activate my faith and say that that is going to take this drought away. Sometimes we are so focused on what God can do huge in our life. But what if God gives us just a puzzle piece of the bigger picture? Are you still going to be faithful with the piece that he's given you? Because that piece is bigger, is part of a bigger picture. But what we tend to do is, God, give me, give me this huge thing. But God said, can I trust you with the little? Elijah looked at this cloud and told his servant, hey, guess what? This is Elijah. I mean, this man's crazy. He, he, he's on the, his, his emotions are like this, all right? So now he looks at this little cloud, and he gets hype. Woo! He gets hype. He's excited. You know, when, when, you, when, when you're playing some sports or you video game people, and you get that kill shot, and you're like, you're going in, all right? Or, you know, you, you're, just, you're at a baseball game, and somebody hits that home run. You're not like, good job. I've seen you kind of people. You're like, ah, 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 ah. You're like hitting each other. You're high-fiving people that you don't even know. You're probably getting COVID on the way, and you don't even care. You don't even care because you're excited. Elijah looks at this cloud, and I can just imagine. He's just like, <sighs> he's excited. He looks at his servant. He's like, guess what? Go tell Ahab, get your chariots, because guess what? The rain is coming. And if I'm his servant, I'm like, this man, he's lost it. He's done. But Elijah's getting hyped. He said, you better go before I go. You better go tell Ahab that the rain is coming. Because he didn't look at the size. He looked at his faith. Elijah didn't see the lack. He looked at what the promise was. Have you quit on a season that you wanted the abundance, but God wanted just to give you a small cloud? What if the abundance that you so eagerly seek is in the small and you never took hold of it because of the size of it? God is saying today, he wants to give you the courage to look at the small cloud and activate your huge faith, but it's not, you cannot do that. I really believe that Elijah couldn't do that if he didn't control his emotions from the beginning and started in a posture of surrender. Second, first Corinthians chapter one, verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Don't look at what seems like lack as discouraging. Look at it as opportunity for God to blow your mind. Activate your faith because the rain is coming. As I close, on this mountain, the victory was won and the promise was fulfilled because one man decided to be different and unapologetic about it. Our job as believers is to be different. If people in your job and people in the world looks at you and you look just like them, 
it ain't working. <laughs> you have to be different. Elijah was different. Elijah thought different. Elijah, he, 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 he walked different. And that's not here to judge you. It's here to challenge you to say and be who you say you are. If you call yourself a Christian, stop acting crazy. Be who you say you are. Elijah went through all these emotions on the mountaintop, but one thing he didn't do, he didn't let his emotion dictate his focus on what God wanted him to do. Have you derailed your own purpose because you can't control your emotions? It might be the waiting season, but God, God said there's an expiration season as well. The rain is coming. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field, on the mountaintop, on the valley. God's going to give me the ability to win, but I have to surrender first to prepare what God has in store for me. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together.